I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 Strip-Till Farmer Podcast Series. In today's program, we get some insight into how to be more efficient and effective with nutrient application in a strip-till system. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy Matters and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, when it comes to nutrient management, Deweese, Nebraska strip tiller Brian Herbeck lives the 4R philosophy. As a fifth generation farmer on a dry land and irrigated 1900 acre corn and soybean operation, he's focused on slowly evolving his practices over the years to become more efficient. After trying ridge tilling, conventional tillage and no tilling, he eventually hit on strip till in 2009 and hasn't looked back. Farming both dry land and irrigated farmland, Brian has embraced the challenge to finding more effective, efficient ways to apply fertilizer, conserve moisture, and improve soil health. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, Brian details the structure and success of his nutrient management plan to include split nitrogen application timing, along with ways he's made his strip-till crops more drought-tolerant through moisture conservation practices. I'm just going to kind of tell you a little bit of my story, what we're doing, uh, the, the practices that I've done in the past, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Quick summary on it. Yeah, I've been I've been strip tilling for about 10 years now. It's been one of the best management decisions I've made. I kind of started off with my father uh, farming. We we did conventional till. We tried no till. Uh, we did a lot of ridge till. And when when we decided to go to uh, strip till again I was out of my comfort level uh, there was a lot of people in the area that uh, settled in lumber work I just kind of decided I wanted to try it we tried it on about a third of my acres uh, was farming with another gentleman of mine uh, that the, that I farmed with after that fall after that harvest we seen the benefits already and we went into a hundred percent strip till that very next year the things we were starting to see that first year we've seen our soil health started improving uh, we got the stands we wanted our yields and, and another main thing was on the strip till it reduced a lot of time spent in the fields uh, manpower uh, and we all know how hard it is to find good help these days uh, it's just right now it's just me and my wife farming the, the acres that we do so that's been a real, real plus. With the noted changes in in this in uh, soil health, we never really thought a lot about it. Uh, you know, we were using cover crops for compaction and some of our weed suppression at the time, and seeing the benefits of what was coming about with that, 
that's where we really started thinking a little bit different out of the box. You know, we, we started uh, focusing on that aspect of those. And that's where we've really changed the last five years. We've, we've really focused on what's our soil health and what, what are we gaining from that? So one of the first things that we find that we need to do when we start crunching the numbers for that year's crop I can't say it enough, can't stress it enough. You've got to get out there and soil sample. Uh, you've got to know, you've got to know what's going on in each field and then you got to know what's going on within each zone in that field. We do multiple places in that field. To get our consistency, we do four inches off the, the growing plant when we're doing uh, the in-season sampling. But uh, the post-harvest sampling, we're, we're going in where, where we're going to plant next year's crop. We want to know where that root zone is going to be. So that's just where we get our consistency. That's what we do. Uh, and it seems like it's really been helping to help with our consistency, if that makes sense. We do a split application or a split uh, from what we planted last year. We move over 15 inches. Mainly that's because of controlled traffic in our, in our residue management we're trying to trying to control our, our residue we pull we pull the soil samples every year in the strip that we're going to where we're going our plants going to be growing uh, but we've went to a, a a zonal approach we we create zones within our within our fields a few years ago we did do a two acre grid system and we found like we were kind of missing the mark in some areas and it logistically, it's pretty hard to get over all your ground and do a two acre grid system. So we've created uh, a zone plan and we use satellite imagery, harvest data, soil types, and we bring that all in together and that's where we create our zones and we've been having really good luck with that on hitting the mark uh, and being able to get those soil samples taken on a timely fashion. Because we do it right after harvest. I mean, as soon as the co uh, combine has gone through the field, we're poking holes. Because, uh, well, last year I didn't get the combine cleaned up. I parked it in the shed and I started strip tilling because we were running late, we were wet. Uh, and fortunately last year I did get over all of my corn on corn acres. A lot of guys didn't. I was one of the only people out there, good or bad, but I was the only one able to be out there in the field and going. Yes, I, uh, I slide over 15 inches. We plant between the old corn rows. We, wanna, we don't want to disturb that root ball. That's, that's, that's the key to this operation or this, this uh, style of farming that I guess we're doing. Leave that root ball alone. Let Mother Nature take care of it. Leave it there for the worms to feed on. Leave it there. And it also helps with compaction too, we've found. If you're driving on that uh, in the fall when you're putting your strips on, it'll kind of hold you up. Also, it'll be there till you're done planting next year and then Mother Nature can take a course throughout the summer. Um, and we've seen our microbial activity just skyrocket the last few years. You can't even go out there and find a corn stalk late August, early September. It is 
almost completely gone. If it's smashed down, I'm in contact with that soil. That's how healthy our soils have been. We used to, we used to fight trash all the time. It was, and I'm sure some of you guys do, it's not even a consideration anymore for us. It's not even an issue. By the time we come back to it the next year, it's gone. We don't have a two or three year buildup of, of our trash when we're doing the corn on corn acres. Uh, it just doesn't seem like we have a problem. So this is kind of the, this is kind of the approach that we take when we start planning for next year's crop. We've, we've implemented, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the four R's program. It's a very simple way to look at uh, your nutrient management on your farm. Uh, but we, we implemented it a few years ago, really not even knowing what it was. It's just something we were doing. Uh, but we sit down, we st sit down and figure out, well, what are we going to grow in that field next year? And we figure out, you know, what's the, what's the source? What's, what's the best fertilizer? What's the best nutrient that we can put for that, uh, for that plant's needs? So that's where we're looking at source. Then we sit down and we, you know, we think, well, what's our yield goals? What's the rate? What's the amount that we need to be putting out there? We look at, uh, again, we're looking at the, we got to know what the yields are, yield goals for that zone, that field, what the needs are going to be. And we want to make sure that we're putting out there no more or no less than that plant needs. We got to know what is going on with that. Then we, that's, then, uh, then we look at time. When, are, when, when will that nutrient be available? You know, when, when, when does that plant really need it? When is it, when is it gonna be at its most uptake? So that's what we look at on the time and place. It's in the last but not least, where are we placing that? Where are we physically placing that? We, we're placing it in the root zone, are we holding it in that soil? Are we getting it to where that plant can utilize it? The most efficient way so again here's here's just kind of what we do on our farm after we've soil sampled in the fall right after the combine sit down with the agronomist we start making our plan what are we what are we going to do where are we going to take this make a plan for each field break it down into the zones and then that's when we get started on our field work we start making that first trip through the field uh, this was actually I think last, I think this was last fall. Uh, this is one of the first fields we started on uh, doing our fall application. Typically, again, like I said in the fall, you know, we're, we're doing our non-leachables. We're, we're trying to get that potassium out there. We're trying to get our FOSS out there so that it can get broke down. We're not gonna lose it, especially in this type of system where we can tie it up and get it in the ground so that it's not blowing away, it's not washing away, it's there. And mother nature will break it down through the winter so that we've got it available for that plant. And typically what we're doing, uh, again, I'm kind of repeating what I was saying earlier, but uh, we use a coulter machine. Uh, it's, it's a soil warrior from ETS. The way we have it set up right now, it's a dual culture system, and we can get that nutrients down there about 
seven to eight inches typically. We're looking at maybe switching it over to uh, a different style that they have. Uh, so maybe we can get that profile down a little deeper. Because uh, we're actually finding out a lot of our nutrients, and I'm sure you've, you've heard it a lot from like the Hefty Brothers and stuff like that, that if you go out there and you really soil sample your, your stuff, typically everybody's got it in that top three inches. You've got a lot of that, and you've got to really look at trying to get that, especially in your dry land acres. You've got to get that nutrients down there and get it down into the profile of your soil as deep as you can. Where those roots are growing, especially late in the year, uh, it'll really help your dry land perform. We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this podcast series possible. And I also wanted to remind you about our ongoing series featured monthly on our podcast, Tech Tips with Dr. Ray Acevedo, where the former assistant professor of precision agriculture at Kansas State University and consultant for Topcon Agriculture, shares insights and advice on some of the latest precision tools and how to best implement them on your operation. You can listen to past technology tips and also find accompanying articles at striptillfarmer.com. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Brian Herbeck sharing his strategy on fertilizer placement in the strip. My strips are about nine inches wide and 78 inches deep. And that fertilizer is in that entire zone. There's no hot spots. It doesn't create lazy roots is what we're trying to call it now. We've been kind of working with a pioneer agronomist and that's near as, as near as we can tell, that's what we're, we're calling it right now is lazy roots where some of those, some of those machines and some, some ways that you apply it, if you're putting that in such a concentrated band, those roots get into that and they're happy there. They don't want to, they don't want to go out and they don't want to search. And then you can have lodging issues, standability and not to knock pioneer or anything, but we all know they've had some issues with that in the past, and that's what—that's really what they're trying. It's not so much their hybrid; it's it, it, some of it's the case of the management practices that's going on. Everything that we're doing, we tend to short it. We want to stress that plant just a little bit, let those roots go out, let them find some of the nutrients that's on either side of that strip. We haven't really noticed that, I guess. It's just one of the things, the lazy roots, it's just one of the things that Pioneer's looking at that, that, that they've noticed, again, like I said, in, the, in certain management issues, they wanna know, is that what's causing that by putting that in that concentrated zone? And that might be just one element that you're doing. There are some guys, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but there are some guys that are putting all of that nutrients right in that hot zone. And it's not, that's where we're, I think we're seeing a lot of the issues. I've got a neighbor, I hope he's not here today, but <laughs> he's kind of had some of that issues. He goes in the same strip every year and he's putting anhydrous down low and he's also blowing in all of his P and K down low. He has got an extreme hot zone down there and he's had a lot of root burns in the past. I keep telling him to back off his nitrogen He's, he's trying to just do a one pass and done kind of thing. He doesn't like to go out and he doesn't want to side dress and split that application up. That's one thing you really got to look at, you know, splitting that application up. And, and I think that will solve a lot of that issues. 
I guess with all that being said, uh, that kind of got me to this point. Uh, so in, a, in the springtime, we come back in, uh, in that same strip, and we are putting down a base rate of our nitrogen, uh, which could be anywhere from 50 pounds to 125 pounds. It kind of depends on what our yield goals and where we want to, what we want to try to. Uh, that's actual pound, uh, actual nitrogen, actual nitrogen. We, that's because we figure that basically we want to put enough out pre-plant so that we can get that plant to shoulder high corn. That's kind of where we, we want to take it to because that's when we start our late season application of, of, our, of our nitrogen then. But when we're doing that spring, when we're doing that spring, uh, application we're doing quite a few things you know we're we're freshening up that strip uh, we're creating a good berm good seed bed and we're applying that nitrogen typically we like to do it a couple weeks prior to plant because we want to see we want to see some of that nitrogen kind of get broke down and available for that plant because because we don't use any starter fertilizers or anything on our planter we we've kind of gone away from that but when we're doing that strip till uh, or when we're doing that spring spring pass we're uh you can see in this picture here we we've mounted some liquid tanks this is our first year doing it we're applying we did we did some starter fertilizer in that uh, we we're afraid with the, the cold wet weather that we might have lost a little or we just kind of wanted to give that crop a little extra pop up and it's, it's a perfect system to be able to to put that out there so we're we're putting a little starter with that, and then this year we're pretty excited. We we ran a micronutrient package through that, dribbling that right in that zone and mixing that in that zone. We'd really been finding out that we, that's what that's what's been our limiting factor uh, is our micronutrients. We've, we've seen that we've been pulling tissue samples for seven or eight years, and consistently we've been trying to fix one thing at a time. Uh, and consistently we've, we've found that, that the micronutrients that we applied this year, that, that's where we were lacking. My end use ratio, in some of our best fields, we're, we're down to about 0.7. And we're really trying to see if we can get it a little bit below that. And that's where the, that's where the nitrogen or the micronutrients are coming in. Uh, we're, we're finding that, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, guys are over applying nitrogen. Nitrogen is not, it's important, but it's not as important as you think it is. You can kind of cut back your eights. Uh, and, and what we've done, especially this year, when we started, uh, when we started our plan, corn was $3. You know, you all know that makes a big difference. So in our nitrogen budget, we, we actually took some of our nitrogen budget out and spent that on our micronutrients. Now with corn prices up a little bit, we had the option we could go back in uh, with our late season application if the potential's there in the field. That's the whole thing. You've gotta know what, you've, what your potential is out there. You've gotta take your stand counts. Did you have even emergence? what's mother nature did to you you know this year she's not been very nice but what's out there 
that's where we've kind of taken it. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing some experience on how you've improved your nutrient management strategies to enhance your strip-till system. And again, I'd like to thank and recognize our sponsor, TopCon Agriculture, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. And you can also check out coverage and details on our annual National Strip-Tillage Conference at striptillfarmer.com. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 podcast series. For Brian Herbeck, TopCon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.